Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. Is the market waking up from its sleepy summer slumber? What looked like a decidedly dull FX market got some life this week from several factors. A call from a senior Federal Reserve policymaker for a rethink in Fed strategy, Fed minutes that may or may not point to a September rate hike, the yen going below 100 against the dollar, and a revival in sterling as the first signs of a post-Brexit data showed a certain resilience in the UK economy. So, what do we make of all these factors? Are they fleeting, or do they have some lasting power to them? I'm Roger Blitz, and a warm August welcome to Hard Currency, the weekly podcast of the Financial Times about foreign exchange. And with me in the studio is Kit Jukes, global strategist at Société Générale. Kit, have you holidayed well? Uh, I've holidayed very well, although, like most British people, I've been holidaying in Europe, suffering from the weakness of the pound, just hoping it goes up enough today for me to get maybe some cheaper euros in. Okay, well, should we start with the pound? We've had this slew of data this week. We were told that this is the first hard data post-Brexit about the impact of Brexit on the UK economy. Was it really telling us that much? I think the retail sales numbers this morning uh, on Thursday told us that Summer weather and barbecues beat Brexit. Andy Murray won Wimbledon. We were all in a good mood and and we'd only just voted in the referendum and and it hadn't sunk in yet. So I don't think that tells us anything about what we will do. It tells us that the purchasing managers surveys and and any other survey tell us that plans for investment, plans for orders and, and the outlook is pretty dire. But right now we're spending money. The employment data showed another fall in unemployment that continues to suggest there was a lot of momentum going into the referendum. But I don't think it tells us anything much we about the longer term. August and uh, Sterling is going to hover around this 130 mark. Is, is there going to be a significant break coming up? And then what if so, what's going to trigger it? I think if anything, we've still got positioning that's short and sentiment that's bearish. And, and the path of least resistance might be for sterling to be a little bit stronger. I don't know if that's me talking my my personal hopes, but you know, I do think that you can continue to gnaw away over the next few days and maybe weeks at the negative sentiment. We're going to have another round of these surveys, which having fallen so sharply, I mean, maybe they'll bounce. You know, I wouldn't rule that out either. So should we wait really for the fourth quarter to determine Brexit's impact on the economy? Or? I think it'll start getting clearer through September and I think it'll get clearer through October. I think unless we get a really significant fiscal easing in the fourth quarter of this year, I would be stunned if we don't get enough economic weakness coming through September, October, November to start taking it quite a bit lower. Okay. And the other thing that's going to impact on sterling is is the dollar and uh, whether the dollar is likely to push higher. I mean, at the moment, you probably think uh, that the dollar is still pretty range bound. Yeah. You know, the... The dollar at the moment is being driven, I think, to a very great degree by uh, Federal Reserve policy. We're getting a lot of messages from them. But I think the overarching message, whether we have or haven't priced enough into the next one or two meetings when they raise rates, is that 
Um, the pace of rate hikes will be glacial. Uh, at any given meeting, the Fed would be put off from raising rates if, if any one of a number of factors came through a weak piece of data here, volatile markets there, something going wrong in the world over here, uh, it would, would make them delay. They still think that it's safer to um, to go too late than to go too early. And so I don't think that's changed very much. Uh, and it leaves the global investor community looking at the world's bond markets and assets and saying, um, I want the stuff with the highest possible yield. And that's, um, that's not dollars um, right now. You know, th- that is favouring some some uh, an odd mixture of currencies at the moment. Yeah, I mean it's 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 odd in sense. So you know things like the Brazilian real, um, which has been doing well, the um, South African rand, where a small improvement in the political outlook has given a big improvement in the currency. The Russian ruble, despite some concerns about geopolitics, um, and at the other side of it, the uh, the Swiss franc and the Japanese yen, typically big exporters of money to the rest of the world who can't find anything interesting to do with their money. Both of their currencies are appreciating. So it's sort of a an odd mix whether the hardest currencies are doing well and the highest yielding currencies are doing well. Yes. Do you take much significance about the yen breaking through 100? Uh, I do psychologically. I think if we, um, if we found a, an air pocket and got dollar yen moving down sharply, which would take Japanese equity prices lower, I think that could potentially trigger more of a scare in markets. Now, there's a decent correlation between periods of yen strength and, and periods of weakness in financial markets more generally. Um, so far, that hasn't happened. And dollar yen's, you know, it traded through 100 and then popped its nose back up above it. And we'll see. But if it were to, if it were to accelerate and this sense that the Bank of Japan doesn't know what to do about it were to sort of gather hold, uh, then then I think that would make me increasingly nervous. Yes. Bank of Japan will be waiting f- to see what Janet Yellen says next week at uh, Jackson Hole. Did you think it was significant what John Williams, the president of the San Francisco Fed, said about, g- in general terms, the weakness of, of overall Fed strategy and, and needing to have a, a rethink about this? Have you heard this before? Well, you've been beginning to hear things about it. We, we got it from the St. Louis Fed who were saying, you know, that they know longer think that there's a stable equilibrium and so they haven't been publishing a, a, a long-term forecast for interest rates. Uh, and so I think there's a thinking that goes on that says, well, um, Taylor rules aren't helping us. Phillips curve isn't helping us. Our, our sense of what is a, a neutral policy rate doesn't seem to be, um, doesn't seem to be so relevant now. Um, so where do we go and, and, and how do we set about a framework for policy? And, and you do get a sense that the monetary policy has become all about should we raise rates or cut rates as opposed to what should the, the level of interest rates be and what does that mean? So I think there's a debate to be had about about monetary policy in that sense. And you think we, we should start seeing Jackson Hole becoming quite a significant forum for, for that debate to take place? Uh, I hope so. It would be great if it were. I mean, Jackson Hole told us where debates have gone. Remember, we had Jackson Hole on the whole risk on, risk off, the effect on global volatility of markets as a big theme two years ago. Um, so it's it's a you know it's a great talking shop for for thinking and for interesting papers coming through. Um, it's quite hard when you get the sense that the Fed doesn't have a clear idea of where the long term destination is to avoid all of those papers concluding. Um, that while we try to work out how the world is really working, we should go pretty slowly on monetary policy. Well, I was going to ask you whether whether the Fed can do the two things at once. At the, on the one hand, have this big debate about long-term policy and at the same time try to keep on the same path in the short term. 
And I think that's a, that's going to be a problem. Remember, it's not just that they're on the same path. It seems to me very clear that in their communication strategy at the moment, they would like to make sure that markets are priced for, braced for, prepared for any rate rises that they deliver. And that in doing so, they have to warn us that we're underpricing the risk of rate rises, be it in September or December, um, not because we're necessarily underpriced, but because it makes it easier for them to raise rates um, if we are priced for it or makes it hard for them to do so if we don't. Now, that kind of interaction between markets or between you know, the great unwashed, you and me, mm-hmm. and, and the Federal Reserve seems to me slightly messy. Yes. And But if that's why your communication on one hand, the slightly more serious issue of what is the right level of interest rates and how do you think about that? I don't know how you have those two no. debates at the same time. No. And and we uh, we have a market that at the moment is not pricing in September, although I am reading a couple of uh, voices saying they're mispricing it and they should beware of a September uh, hike. After all, we had a, a very strong uh, last payrolls data, which actually wasn't factored into the, the minutes that came out this week. So So payrolls is heading the right way, isn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, September comes back on the cards quite easily if you, you know, if you draw your circumstances, we get another strong payroll number if we got an acceleration in wage growth. And if financial markets continued on this current pretty benign environment, then then I'm sure the debate around September could pick up quite a lot. Um, I, I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm quite like everybody else in financial markets at the moment. So yes, that's if, 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 and if, yes. Kit. Um, and, uh, and from long, long experience, I know that the number of ducks that need to be lined up in a row for it to actually happen seems quite a lot. I've lost, I've lost uh, my thoughts on what is the Fed's natural inclination. Are they naturally inclined to hike or are they naturally, naturally inclined not to? Uh, I think they're naturally inclined to hike, but very easy to be put off. I, I just, I, th- I think they're a bit, you know, I'm, I'm naturally inclined to go on a diet. I'm naturally inclined to give up, um, to give up drinking alcohol for a bit. But it doesn't take much for me to put it off for another day. So August, the rest of August is going to, uh, well, certainly going to be different from last August when we had that that great shock from uh, China. But uh, what will the rest of August do you think uh, be like? One for to get back on the beach and and expect things to carry on as normal. Yeah, there's you know I, I'm I'm concerned about the the risk of dollar yen moving sharply lower. I'm, I'm concerned along with everybody else about an escalation in in the situation on the Ukraine Russian border. I think these are these are issues we have to keep a a fair eye on but but other than that uh, it does seem to me the most likely environment is that the dollar's quite weak uh, and that money continues to flow into uh, into any currency that that offers more attractive yields than than the major economies and the pound's still going to be punishing if you're going abroad to europe <laughs> it might get a little bit punishing for those taking you know late holidays on the grounds we're not getting bad news and uh, and as we don't get bad news uh, some of the shorts go out. My only, my only fear on that score is that um, the world's been quite short of euros as well, and it's, it's not impossible that the euro gets a little bit, a little bit more expensive. So um, maybe you know, the United States is the only place that's going to get cheaper for your holidays. I'm afraid. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much to Kit Jukes, global strategist at uh, SockGen. Please keep up to date with all the FX news on the uh, FT and uh, have a look at ft.com forward slash markets. Next week, we'll be looking ahead to that uh, Janet Yellen keynote speech at Jackson Hole and how the dollar is warming up to that event. Uh, join us again next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. Goodbye.